Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you once again for who you are. God, I thank you for the depth of your word and, Lord, uh, the promises that it brings. And, Lord, um, I pray today that, that as we look at the final uh, witness, John, and his masterful words, may we be uh, enamored with, with the beauty of the good news, the one who's come into this world, taking on flesh. So would your spirit guide and lead us today to see that a little bit more clearly. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ is risen. According to history, uh, after Jesus died and rose again from the dead, uh, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus appeared to uh, hundreds of people. The author here, Paul, says that he appeared to over 500 people, but in particular, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 4 and 5, he writes this, that he was buried, being Jesus, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas, this guy named Peter, and then to all of the twelve. And what we read from 1 Corinthians 15 is that Jesus rises from the dead and he shows up to these very people. He then ascends into heaven. But what's interesting is that then these disciples, there were 11 of them at this time now, were then uh, waiting for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and then they are sent out into the world. Historically speaking, we get these records of what happened to the disciples, the apostles, the people who walked with Jesus. They went and announced this good news all over the world. And it was really good news to share. But if you know some accounts of history, this wasn't popular news to share. Because all of them were killed. All of them were martyred for sharing this good news that Jesus had risen from the dead, except for one guy. One guy was not killed for sharing this good news. His name was John, who is our final witness, this guy who literally walked with Jesus. He was one of the disciples, and he is in Ephesus, like modern-day Turkey, and at the end of his life, he writes down this masterpiece It's known as the Gospel of John. And it's important to note the first thing that would stand out about John's Gospel is literally when it became or came into circulation. We've so far read from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and what we learned about them is that, or what we believe, is that Matthew wrote his account in 50 A.D. Jesus rose from the dead somewhere between 30 and 33 A.D. Mark, then our next writer, wrote somewhere in 50 to 60 A.D., and Luke, who we learned about last week, he wrote his account coming from, uh, from Paul in 55 to 60 A.D. But what's interesting is this, John Our last writer, who we are calling the mystic, he wrote his letter in 80 to 90 AD, many years later. 
what, what, is this, what does this mean? What we see is that John is giving us this masterpiece, this well-thought-out account of Jesus' life. He gives all these other miracles and stories and teachings that are unique to our understanding of who Jesus is. He gives these simple metaphors that are so complex. He is shallow and deep, and he gives uh, these relationships with people that you would never imagine. In John chapter 4, Jesus has a conversation with a woman at the well. Do you know this story? This woman who was an outcast in her society, and Jesus reveals and comes to her and says that I am the Son of God. And then, and then in John chapter 3, he has this conversation with Nicodemus, this religious leader. And this guy is afraid to be even known with Jesus, so he meets him at night. And then we read at the end of the story in John's account that he's there at the crucifixion. It is this beautiful, beautiful masterpiece that John gives us. And he writes with great intention and purpose at the end of his life. Instead of just making up a claim, John says this. He gives us the intention of why he writes the letter. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. What's fascinating here is that what John wants you and I to get is he wants us to understand that Jesus is who he says that he is. In fact, John's favorite word is this word believe that's used over a hundred times in his writing. He wants you and I to believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, and he does so in his writing masterfully. One person told me one time that John's writing is shallow enough for a toddler to play in the water, but deep enough that an elephant can sink. And today, I want to show you the beauty of John's writing as we finish up this series called The Four Witnesses, where we are looking at John, this writer, at the end of his life, who is writing to a group of God-seekers, People who are trying to understand more about who God is and who Jesus is. Anybody in that boat today? Everybody should have their hand raised. That's why you're at church today, right? We are all God seekers trying to understand more of who our God is. And today, I, wanna, I want us to see this in a beautiful, masterful way of how John displays the simple nature of Jesus, but the depth and complexity of who he is. And I want to do this by having a little fun with a song. So, uh, Missy is up here on the keys. She's going to help me out because I don't have a musical bone in my body, all right? We're going to see if this works here today. Uh, John Kester, a guy who wrote uh, this book, he's devoted his life to the writing of John. And in this book, he talks about how John is this masterful writer, this guy who puts together this, this masterpiece as as this masterful song. He describes that John's gospel could be like a song. And, and to make up a song, you don't just play one chord or note repeatedly. Missy, can you just play one chord for me here? Keep playing it. 
Right now you're like, oh, isn't that beautiful? No, it's not. It's just one chord, right? Imagine listening to that over and over and over again. And what Kester is saying is that John doesn't just give us one chord or one note repeatedly, but instead to create a masterful song. A beautiful song, it requires this blending together of a collection of chords that are in key that bring together a beautiful song. And John does this in many ways. And I could be here all day to talk about the many ways that John does that. But I want to give you one way here in John's writing that he displays this masterful song about who Jesus is. And he does so through what are known as the seven I am statements. So run with me for a little bit here. In Exodus chapter 3, we read this story of how Moses Moses is this shepherd. And and, and Moses is uh, tending to his sheep and he walks upon this burning bush, a bush that continues to just burn endlessly. And if that's not weird enough, then the bush says Moses and starts talking to him. It's a strange story, right? And not if that's just weird enough, what what we learn after that is that the, the bush then instructs him that I am God Almighty, the God who has created everything, and I am commanding you to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, the ruler there, to let my people go. Moses is really confused at this point, just like you would be, right? And in this moment, Moses is like, uh, uh, okay, um, I guess I'll go do that. But when I go and do that, uh, who is the one that is sending me? Am I going to say this burning bush talked to me in the wilderness and now I'm here? <laughs> no, what, what, what God responds with is beautiful and powerful. He says this uh, in Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses that, that when you go to Egypt... Say this, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Essentially what what God is saying to Moses is there is no name that can fully capture who I am. But instead say that the great I am has sent Moses to you. And in the original language, it it was this word Yahweh. Still to this day, Jewish people do not say that name out of reverence and respect. But, But if you were to take that into the words that John used in Greek, the original language, it's this statement, ego eimi. Say it with me. One, two, three. Ego and, and John, in this moment, is looking at all of these I am statements, these I am moments, these ego a me moments to reveal and show who God is. And it is beautiful. I want you to see the seven that he points out here. The first one is in John chapter 6, verse 35. He says this, Jesus said that I am, ego a me, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. See, the first statement that, that John records of this ego a me is that he records that Jesus is the bread of life. The context here is that Jesus had just fed over 5,000 people. The people are like, all right, do we just keep following you along like a vending machine and you're going to keep providing? And Jesus says, no, I'm not food stamps or I'm not a vending machine, but instead I am deeper and bigger than that. 
that just like you need bread, just like you need food in your life, I am that very thing. And this is this beautiful chord that that John is playing and it sounds like this. It's beautiful. God is provider. But if you see that Jesus is only provider, you're missing the whole masterful song. John continues in John 8, verse 12. He says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. Uh, Anybody here as a kid, were you like afraid of the dark? You can raise your hand here. This is a safe space. All right, now raise your hand if you're still afraid of the dark. All right, that's weird. No, I'm kidding, right? Like, no, we, this is who we are as people. It's kind of interesting, right? Like, like darkness, uh, scientists will tell us, is something that we're fearful of because uh, it leaves us vulnerable and exposed. We start to come up with all these crazy images and things start to pop out. and We're like, what's going on, right? Jesus didn't say, I came into this world or I am the darkness of this world. He said, I am the light of this world. I've come to shed light in this world. And what that means is that Jesus is the one who enlightens this world. He eradicates darkness in this world. That he is this light that comes here. And this is another beautiful chord that John is playing for us. And it sounds like this. Yet if you see Jesus as just this, he is so much more. John continues in John chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. He says that I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal only to, only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He gives us another ego a me statement. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying that I am the door. I am the way to your creator. I am the one who has provided the way. I'm not a blockade or or something that holds you back, but instead I am the way. And he says that not only am I the way to God, but that I lay down my life for the people, for the sheep. It's not something that you earn, but instead something that he gives his life for us. And this is a beautiful chord that sounds like this. Yet if you see Jesus just as this, he is so much more. Because if Jesus is just a sacrifice... He is no different than than somebody who enlists for the military and offers their life as a sacrifice for their nation. He's no different than than a healthcare worker who has put their life on on the line during this season of COVID-19. He's no different than than a good parent who stays up all night because their kids are scared of the dark. See, he is 
a sacrifice, but John continues on here. He says he is more than just a sacrifice for us. In John chapter 11, the next ego a me statement is this. He said to her that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. What Jesus says is that he's not just one who is a sacrifice, but he is the one who conquers sin, death, and the devil. And he does so by his resurrection. He does so that what we celebrated on Easter, that he came alive again. And he wasn't just the sacrifice. He comes in victory. Amen. He comes in this good news. And that is another beautiful chord that John wants us to hear. And it sounds like this. Yet if you see Jesus just as this, he is so much more. That's why John goes on into the next ego a me statement, number six here. He says, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus isn't just this one who comes to save and to provide a way, but he is also someone who says that I've come to bring a way, a truth, and a life. One that comes with a whole new understanding and meaning. One that directs the way that I look at the world. One that directs the way that I look at my enemies and those who love me back. It is a way that brings life and truth. And it is a beautiful chord that sounds like this. Finally, the last one. Jesus or John records, ego a me, that Jesus is the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. What Jesus is saying in this moment is that our God is a God who will produce fruit in our lives now and forever. That we are continuing as we stay attached to him, he will bring joy and peace and hope in some of the darkest and scariest moments of our life. He promises to be a God that says that attached to me, you will experience life. And that is another beautiful chord that we hold on to. Now, I want you to get what, what John Kester was talking about here. He said that when we look at the masterpiece of Jesus' life, what we see is is one that comes together with these beautiful chords individually, but on their own, they're not as beautiful when they're held in collection of the masterful song that he is writing. And what that song sounds like from those chords that you heard is it sounds like this. John says is that Jesus is the bread of life that supplies your need. He says 
that he is the light of the world which enlightens your world. Jesus is the door which provides a way to God. He says that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. He's the resurrection and the life, defeating sin, death, and the devil by his death and resurrection. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. He shows us what it looks like to live in this world, and he says that I am the true vine that produces fruit now and forever. These are a beautiful song that reminds us of these words if you know this hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. John writes these words to you and me, God-seekers, the ones that want to know about the God who created everything. He says, I wrote these words down that you may see that, that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, God doesn't need to talk to you in a burning bush. He doesn't need to show up like he did for Moses. But instead, what we get in our God is Jesus who takes on flesh and who walked and lived in this world like you and me. And what we get in Jesus is the great I am, the God who is there at all of creation, and his promises are these, that I supply your need, that I enlighten your world, that I give you a way to God by sacrificing his own life, yet rising from the dead, giving us instruction in how to live that will produce fruit now and forever. Would you stand with me for prayer? God, we thank you that you are a God who is the great I am. A God who cannot be contained by a simple name, but a God who brings depth and just simple metaphors. Lord, I am so grateful for John's words. A witness who, who wrote about who you are and calls us to believe and to trust in you more. Lord, I pray that as we as we lean into your word more and more as a community of people, as a community of faith, may we be reminded not just of simple chords in and of themselves, but the masterful song that you are putting together and that you have invited us into as well. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.